Today's TribCast is presented by the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute. The Public Relations Society of America selected the Meadows Institute's OK to Say campaign as a top five national campaign of the year. OK to Say is a community-based movement aimed at increasing awareness that most mental health illnesses are treatable and offering messages of hope and recovery to Texans and their families. Learn more at oktosay.org. Today's TribCast is also presented by Voices for Healthy Kids. Bipartisan House Bill 3324, the Texas Grocery Access Investment Fund, would spur business development across Texas by helping retailers establish healthy food retail outlets in underserved markets. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, oh, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys Hi, this is State Representative Celia Israel. Man, I am so looking forward to being back in the Capitol on July 18th for the special session. And if you believe that, I have some land under the Ann Richards Congress Avenue Bridge I would love to sell you. Enjoy this week's TribCast. Here's your host, Ross Ramsey. Thank you. This is Ross Ramsey here on the second Wednesday of June with your Texas Tribune TribCast, our weekly podcast about the biggest stories in Texas politics. I'm joined by Trib editor Ian Mitra. Hi. Reporter Patrick Sitek. Uh Good afternoon. And reporter Edgar Walters. Let's, hey there. Let's start off with um, Ian. Give us a rundown on the latest in this congressional baseball shooting. Yeah, so we're recording this as about uh, noon central Wednesday. So what we know now, uh, after about around 7 a.m. Eastern this morning, uh, the Republican congressional baseball team, they play an annual game for charity, Republicans versus Democrats. Uh, the Republican team was practicing in Alexandria, Virginia. And that's when a gunman opened fire on the, on the team on the field. Uh, early reports were that uh, uh, several people were shot. So right now the reports are that five people were shot, um, including a staffer for U.S. Representative Roger Williams, uh, Austin Republican. Also uh, shot was uh, Congressman Steve Scalise out of Louisiana. Um, in the uh, exchange, in the gunfire, uh, uh, Capitol uh, police officers came into the player's defense. They two of two uh, officers were shot, and now we're finding out that a fifth person was shot. Uh, it was apparently a lobbyist who was practicing with the team. Uh, you, the you, the gunman was uh, was shot on the scene. Uh, we now found out, you know, president during President Trump's address that he was he died of his injuries. Um, the staffer for uh, Representative Williams apparently is doing well. He's posted on Facebook that he's doing well, and so uh, he's he's in the hospital, but he's expected to make a full recovery. Uh, Congressman Scalise is also uh, he's undergoing surgery. Apparently, he was shot in the hip, and but he's uh, he's expected to recover as well as as the police officers. So five people shot plus the shooter. The shooters, yes, the shooters, okay. yeah, and the shooters died. So, um, well, we'll have more news on that as it, as it comes in, right. I guess. You know, not really on the TribCast. No, we're not a radio station. <laughs> right. As of now, the first press conference that police had about it did not, they were unable to confirm anything about whether the lawmakers were specifically targeted. Right. So there's still a lot of open questions about what, what the motive was for the shooter. And if you catch this later, check the latest news because we're taping this at, at noon on um, Wednesday. So uh, a lot of stuff going on in Austin. Um, we have a state budget. We have a special session coming. Let's start with this, the state budget, Edgar. Um, I guess the last piece of this is the governor got his pen out and started striking things. He did, yeah. So he signed off on the budget, um, which is a $217 billion budget, but not uh, not 
until he had, you know, or he did this after cutting $120 million from the budget, which numerically is not all that much. It's about, I think, 120th of 1%. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it was interesting to see what he did cut. Um, and by far the largest sort of dollar amounts that were lost went to environmental programs. And, um, you know, he cut, for example, this program that's kind of like Cash for Clunkers, that right. Obama-era program where... Well, he cited Cash for Clunkers as the reason... As was, the reason to do it. Right. Right. He basically, he said it was an ill-conceived program that wasn't actually improving air quality. But, but the idea behind the program was that if you're a low-income Texan and you're in, in certain urban counties and your car fails its emissions test, you can get some money to either make repairs or, in some cases, actually buy a new car. Um and hopefully that cleans up the air. Um, yeah, so that was like, I, I want to say $87 million, by far the biggest chunk. Right. Um, but I think what was interesting from the like inside baseball here about um, that cut, and then there was one other sort of air quality program, a $6 million one. So those were budget riders. And um, Patrick, you've written about this in the past, but like that's sort of, that's kind of a new power that Abbott has sort of taken for he, himself. He basically asserted yeah. it last time and, and uh, survived everything short of a court challenge, right? Right, yeah. So he got he had sort of the blessing of Ken Paxton saying, in a, in a non-binding but, you know, a, a, an attorney general's opinion saying, yes, the governor can veto a budget writer. Um, and, yeah, just from the numbers like that Abbott relied on that to make mo the largest chunk of his line item veto. Right. So okay. this had so nobody's ever challenged this. So previous governors have done line item vetoes which is allowed expressly and have stayed out of these riders which are basically narrative um, directions to agencies and you know programs to spend money in a particular way right and they've they've previously previous to Abbott have said riders are sort of off limits to the governor's veto pen Abbott basically just jumped into it last time uh, the house objected the Senate agreed he asked Paxton and that's kind of where it settled where with right. was with Paxton's opinion um, have you guys heard anybody still pushing this still litigating this thing not immediately after the news of Abbott's most recent budget vetoes. I right. think that he has, uh, by force of his office, has just established this as the practice. I mean, we'll have to see again. I mean, this is one of those issues that has not been challenged in court yet. I mean, that's it's where this could be. The basketball be. rule, right? It's right. not a foul yeah. if they don't call it. Right? This could ultimately be litigated that way, but it, that has just not happened yet. Well, he also uh, cut the agency that most vociferously challenged him two years ago, the Legislative Budget Board got a bunch of their funding cut. Right. Um, well, yeah, and although maybe you can help me understand it, but it was, yeah, it was, it's hard, I think, to put a number on. He cut the unexpended balances unexpended from the first balance. year of the budget right. so that they can't be used in the second year of the budget. And, you know, there's some talk over there of some layoffs. The Legislative Budget Board is the legislative agency that does all of the um, real work in the budget. You know, they're the ones who assemble it and right. do the, assemble all of the, agency uh, appropriations requests and all that and put it in a package that legislators then consider. And they're the ones, by the way, right, that, that originally fought back saying that Abbott's veto power did not include the ability to... Yeah, it's rate. a peculiar, you know, cross-power um, you know, thing. You know, you've got the executive branch, you know, arguing with an agency in the legislative branch that's chaired, co-chaired by the lieutenant governor and the House speaker and the lieutenant governor's 
agreeing with the governor on right. this one. It's right. you know, it's you know, it's a sad family story. It's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other, uh, the rest of the budget. Um, what's going on in there? Who was happy with it? We started the session with Glenn Hager saying. Not as much money as last time, but you've got a big mm -hmm. savings account. Yeah. I mean, lawmakers went into this session with not, <clears throat> I think, with pretty low expectations because so they, you know, they passed billions of dollars in tax cuts last session. So that's less that they have to start with. Then they dedicated this $5 billion to the highway fund. So that's more money you don't have to spend on things like schools and health care. Um, and then, yeah, the somewhat sluggish economy is like, well, what are we going to fund? Um, or sort of what's, what's left, right? right. Uh, but, you know, I actually think that in a legislative session that was really dominated by this war between the House and the Senate, the budget is kind of interesting in that it's like a pretty, I mean, this is me editorializing a little bit, it seems like a truly compromised document to emerge from this contentious session. Mm -hmm. I think really, like, no one is probably happy with it which is maybe the way that government works but this wasn't things. one of the this wasn't one of the things that descended into a wrestling match well i mean it was more than normal yeah i mean they maybe it did but at least there was there was an end you know like if there was a resolution <laughs> which is very different <laughs> wrestling from, match but, is a, re a relative term this right. past session I think. right right yeah well the budget's so, always contentious on some level but uh, right it didn't seem to be where they had most of their funds. right so the house and senate basically you know they had each their own preferred ways of financing the budget this the house wanted to um uh, you know, delay a school payment, and they wanted to tap the rainy day fund, and the Senate didn't want to tap the rainy day fund, at least at first, and instead they wanted to do this accounting trick with the the, the transportation and the highway funds. Um, and basically what they said was, all right, we'll do half and half. Um, it's a little more complicated than that, but at the end of the day, it's sort of like everybody mm -hmm. half won or half lost. And the net effect on, on people in the state is, you know, that's just numbers that are happening up there. It doesn't really affect any programs. Right. Other, other than to provide money for programs that would otherwise have been cut. Right. You know, I think the biggest takeaways from this budget are if there were maybe two big high-profile issues going into the session, <clears throat> one being school finance, basically nothing happened. You know, I mean, there weren't any serious reforms. Property taxes are going to continue to take up a greater share of the funds for schools. And, and state funding is going to decline. Right. Um, per so student. that was sort of like this untouched. That might have been a big issue, you know, had there been maybe a slightly different Supreme Court ruling. Um, but that was sort of left untouched. Uh, the other big ticket issue is is child protective services and child welfare funding. And there, you know, the agency asked for a billion extra dollars and they got about half of that. So, yeah, I don't know how you. So they got part of the way there. Yeah. Um, did the, you know, one of the things that came up this year, it came up early in the budget and they sort of, you know, um, put the icing over it, I guess, this broken piece of cake. They, they did the Medicaid and Medicare funding, health and human services funding, basically is short of what they need for 24 months. Right. And, they, and they, the expectation is they come back in 19 and say, oh, we have to fix this. They're going to have a lot of things that they're going to have to come back and pay for in 2019. What are, what um, are Medi Medicaid yeah. one, being one of them. The other um, being kind of the unresolved questions with this highway fund money, because um, you know when you're 
delaying a payment, you're basically shifting it into the next biennium. Right. And so while this, yeah, while the tactic that they used to sort of delay, I, I, there are a lot of open questions, but it, when 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 John Zerwas was on the floor passing the budget, he said, we expect to come back and at least have to spend another billion in Medicaid funding for the right. shortfall. And then you add on top of that other sort of unforeseen expenses, 2019 could end up being a pretty, they could start um, in the red. Let me use you to say to the special session, do you see anything on the budget table that's going to come up or that is likely to come up in a special session? Did they leave anything untended there that they want to grab Maybe maybe fix. Um, well, presumably school finance would presumably be there's huge. 120 million dollars that they didn't have before the governor vetoed stuff. Right, and who I, you know, Abbott ha asked for a big pay raise for teachers. 120 million doesn't get you all the way there if you want to give each teacher a 1,000 dollar raise, but yeah, it I might get you part of it. Six or seven hundred million dollars. Right, but maybe you can give them what I don't know a 200. Something small. A smaller right. raise, yeah. So there could be some funds for that. You know, if they actually take up school finance, that could that would just open up a whole other bag of worms. Right. Um, but but the the thing that'll be most interesting, I think, for the real fiscal nerds is to see whether this population plus inflation kind of cap on how much you can grow your state budget actually passes, because it would you know, be a big win for the Texas Public Policy Foundations and the conservative think tanks. Um, it would also have pretty big ramifications for, like, how can the budget work in terms of addressing the needs of a growing state. Right. So, again, if that's low on the priority list for the special, who knows if we'll get there, but it could. It's. I think it's not, we're not going to see anything that would necessarily affect the budget this go-round is my prediction, but we could see some interesting developments for later years. Okay. Uh, Patrick, walk us into the special session. And how how'd the governor lay this out? And um, it was weird. <laughs> how did he announce the special well, session? Well, I mean, just the whole, the, you know, every, everybody's expectations were over here and where he came in was over there. Right. I think he surprised people <clears throat> with the, uh, the number of items on the agenda. Um, you know, he made clear that if he was going to have a special session, he wanted to take up more than just the two issues that Dan Patrick had been pushing for on a special session call, which were bathrooms and, and property taxes. Um, and I think as, as we've discussed before, the special session call did have this kind of like um, running theme to it of dealing with local ordinances right. and actions by local governments. Um, that Abbott and a lot of other Republican uh, office holders view as contrary to the, the, the Texas model or contrary to their, their values and beliefs. And so that seems to be the, the kind of one of the running themes in that agenda, I think. Yeah, there, this is probably unanswerable, but any sense of where the governor's priorities are? He said he wanted the that he was going to lay out one issue, the sunset right. business that involves the Texas Medical Board and a couple of other agencies. And once the Senate has passed that bill, then he'll lay out the other 19 issues. Right. Any sense of where he on those other nineteen? On the other nineteen, what do you I think, think is important? I think property taxes. Honestly, I mean, right. more so than in the final days and weeks of the session. If he was vocal about one issue, uh, I would say it was property taxes. And even before right. his special session announcement, he was vocal about it in a speech uh, to a county GOP the night before. Um, I think that you know that is it's fair to take away from his public remarks leading up to this that he probably views property taxes as probably more of a priority than some of those other items yeah. just based on his public remarks. Can, um, can I ask a political question? Because I, 
to me, it seems in certain ways, has Abbott already won with this special session? Because he gets to say to the House and to the Senate, you guys didn't finish what you were supposed to do. I think he's already called them lazy once. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets to say, he gets to lay out all these things that he says they need to address. Right. And I don't know about y'all. I'm not sure how many of these things are actually going to pass during this special session. Seems like a lot to get done in 30 days. But he can tell, you know, he can say, well, I've done my part in this. I've told them to come back to work and address these things. It's on them if they don't get it done. I've even called, you know, I call them back for a special to address these specific things. You know, isn't, right. doesn't it seem like it's a, you know, regardless of what happens, is this a, is this a political win for for the governor? It kind of depends on what they do. I mean, this sort of goes to the question I was asking Patrick. I mean, if they come in and they do the sunset thing and they don't pass any of the yeah. other 19 things, does he call them back for another 30 days? Yeah, that's a big question. I mean, how do you regard, you know, you know, what kind of legislative failure, if you want to call failure, you know, not passing this stuff, some people would call that a win, right? Right, uh, yeah, yeah. But what, you know, if they don't pass some or all of these 19 issues, at what level does that get blamed on the governor? You know, what, you know yeah. how, much, how much are people really worked up about this? Mm-hmm. The property tax thing they're talking about, we should say, is a combination of a bunch of transparency stuff in local property taxes and they're talking not about school taxes, but about those levied by counties, cities, and special districts. And in the Senate version, a an automatic tax rollback election that would let voters say yes or no whenever one of those local governments yeah. uh, raises taxes yeah. 5% or more. Um, so the House did the transparency stuff. The Senate said, yeah, we like yeah. that. And also this 5% thing, the House didn't vote on that. So that's right. presumably where we start. Yeah. And uh-huh. Abbott was relatively, again, I mean, it was up, up until the end of the session, but he was relatively specific on that in the final days and weeks of the session. He made clear, um, you know, uh, I think two weeks before the end of the session that he wanted the rollback component. Uh, in some interviews, he, he floated certain rollback rates. Right. Um, and so he was, rel- at least compared to what he said about other policy issues, he was relatively specific about that toward the end of the session. So right. I do think that's something that he probably views as maybe more of a priority than some of those other items on the special session agenda. If you, if you, Again, if you had to pick, school finance is on the list. You know, school finance means a lot of things to a lot of people. We're we gonna, we're not gonna see a new school finance system here. I don't think so. It's a commission, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I he's sort of going with the, the study it idea. Yeah. yeah. And he specifically this, on the call he referred to a commission. Right. 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 So it's just to me, it just opens up quick, big questions about you know signing off on this budget now. Uh, you know, what does it? What what more are they? willing to do on this. I mean, yeah. it seems well, like it, there's a big can of worms. to. And if you look at how the House tried to do school finance reform this session, which was not all-encompassing, you know, but right. kind of a narrowly tailored... Right. Clear infusion of, of this money. Right. Their whole sort of... I mean, Huberty's bill basically said, we will do this, and as an incentive for doing this, we will... Pat, you know, we will include all of this money, the 1.5 or 1.8 billion in the right. budget. Um, if you already have your budget passed, you don't have this giant pot of money that you right. can use as right. an incentive. Like, I just don't see how how much reform you can actually pass without having the carrot. You know, right, right. Um, I guess you could do a, a an appropriations bill or a, or a supplemental bill in the in the special session. I haven't heard any talk of that, but mm. theoretically you could do that. Okay. You know, the Senate wanted to add to the school finance thing uh, voucher program for special needs students, and that's one of the things on the governor's call. Right. At the beginning of the session, I think it was after the session had started, um, there was a school choice rally that both the governor and the lieutenant right. governor took part in. They're both, you know, vociferously 
in favor of using public school money for private education. Um, the House doesn't like it. Any right. any movement here? Anybody see a thaw? I don't think so. Um, I should be noted at that, you think back to that school choice for like the beginning of the session, Abbott did appear at it, and obviously his appearance had a lot of meaning, but he still was very vague about what exactly he wanted to see. Um, now we know by virtue of his special session call that he wants to see specifically what he describes as school choice for special needs students. Right. Um, you know, at the end of the session, this was kind of a, uh, unfortunately, you know, there was a bit of a kind of cynical politics to it because the House didn't act on it. And then Dan Patrick was able to say, I can't believe or be, you know, my heavens, right. Get a fainting couch. Say right. they'd, you know, but, but didn't the <laughs> House kind of veto all this because they just don't want to vote on school choice for special needs students. Right. But, but didn't the House kind of, you know, not in a direct vote, but in that vote that they took kind of lay out where they stood, you know? You right. Know, the, yeah. Well, that, yeah. I mean, the House. The House completely rejected um, school choice, or you know, or vouchers, or whatever you call it, on the on the floor as as a it was a budget amendment, it was right? Bu yep. Yeah, it was a blanket amendment. It said none of the funds yeah. in this budget shall be used shall be for used. Right. private education. Right? right, and if I'm remembering correctly, the what Dan Patrick said when he sort of said, "Look, isn't it a shame that the House has um, chosen not to fund these vouchers for special needs students?" Um, that had been tacked on to the school finance bill, correct? And so, right, yeah. I mean, it, I guess it just, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say this wasn't, this didn't make one of our stories, but one of the statements that the speaker's office has provided to us since the end of the regular session, it was in response to some some remarks Abbott made on a radio station, did note that on two separate occasions, the members of the Texas House have voted two to one against using taxpayer dollars for private schools. The membership of the House expressed a clear preference for providing extra help for students with special needs through traditional public and charter schools. Right. So it sounds like even post regular session post special session announcement that's yeah. they're not moving on that i say it's spinach i say spinach and i won't take it <laughs> can i just say it's been interesting to me to see um, on these two big issues um, it that simmons right it's been representative simmons who's ron who's, simmons, ron right. simmons who's, who's filed the bills that most closely align with wit with what um, greg abbott wants to see that's on the bathroom bill and right. then that's also i think he was the House champion of yes. the school choice yeah. vouchers. The school yeah. choice vouchers for, for special, yeah. special needs kids. kids. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let me remind listeners, you can uh, pop questions up on uh, Facebook here. We have a question from Donna that Abbott has said the ledge has plenty of time to get started now so they can get everything done. Any um, signs that they're doing any pre-special session work at this point? I saw <laughs> this is this is one thing, I thought one potentially exactly. small thing. Right. I saw there was an interim hearing scheduled that maybe tangentially related to annexation reform. <laughs> so that's all I've seen in terms of you know work getting started. It seems like lawmakers are still maybe just relaxing. How, how much progress did he make? You you did some reporting on uh, yeah. the um, shuttle diplomacy that that uh, came yeah. up for not at the end. Um, how much of that turns into pre-session work? I mean, do they do they make any progress there? Do they see any glimmers of light? I don't know. I mean, so we this story was based on just filing public information requests throughout the session for the governor's schedule. And we saw in that final month, which he's publicly spoken about as a month when he was very busy engaging in what he described as shuttle diplomacy, that there were some days where he was working very hard. But by the time he got to that final week, um, you know, the meetings, at least the governor's meetings with lawmakers and legislative leaders had pretty much stopped on that Friday before Sine die, he had one meeting, but pretty much it looked like if you were to kind of make some, uh, if you were, you know, 
were to infer from that schedule a little bit, you'd, you'd probably say that it seemed like at the, that final week they basically realized this is not going to happen. Um, right. And in all, May 19th was kind of a critical day. It seemed at least there were like eight meetings that the governor had on that day with a number of people, including the speaker uh, and then the lieutenant governor and then a number of legislative leaders. So there definitely was that flurry toward the end, but it seemed like with about a week left uh, on the calendar, they, you know, the gov- at least from the governor's perspective, and if you read into those that schedule a little bit, you probably would conclude that they realized probably hope was, was gone, that they were going to be able to strike a deal. Okay. Do you guys read this uh, agenda as more Senator House? I definitely read it as, as more Senate. Senate yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been asking people, you know, uh, of those 20 items, you know, could Joe Strauss pick three or four out, right. even three or four out that right. he would, that you think he would personally support? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a number of education measures on there, but that's pretty limited. Um, I don't know if a lot of members of the House, or at least House leadership, would call uh, these special agenda items priorities. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder what the least, if he, had, if he, if hypothetically you're opposed to the majority of the twenty items, what are the least poisonous five that you swallow for the house? For the house. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, property taxes probably. I mean, they're all property taxes about- and school finance. And then what, like trees? I don't know. <laughs> well, the tree thing is the tree thing is weird. I mean, it's a really interesting fight, actually. It's you know, it's that you know that somewhere there's a line between a developer mowing down 400 acres of, you know, old growth live oaks and and somebody you know, can I please take this dying tree out of my front yard? Or in the case of the okay. governor, can I take this dying pecan tree out so I can build a pool? Um, I you know, it's a it's an interesting fight. A lot of it's centered in San Antonio and uh, annexations and. Um, I mean, it, all of these things kind of go together, local control and, you know, developers. And the tree thing starts as a developer bill. Annexation starts as a developer yeah. bill. There's a yeah. lot of that going around. Well, yeah. We know the one thing, at least, that Joe Strauss is excited about. He said it in his statement, very uh, very understated <laughs> statement, was that he's looking forward to working on school finance. Obviously, right. that's one item where he, you know, <laughs> shared some common ground with the Hi, I'll be there. The, yeah. the only one he mentioned, <laughs> the only name, one he mentioned yeah. my name in his right. statements. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we have the inevitable question, which is a good question from Joanne. What's the likelihood the bathroom bill will pass? Anybody see any movement here? I, You know... I, the, the state of play <laughs> in terms of the the leadership dynamic, I don't think has changed that much. Right. And, um, you know, the governor and I think and the lieutenant governor have zeroed in a little bit since the end of the session on HB 2899. This was the Simmons bill. This was kind of the so-called House alternative. Right. Uh, never made it out of a House committee during the, the regular session. And that um, bill was focused on schools and on local ordinances. Right. right. Yeah. And, and I believe that Strauss, I'd have to check his so, uh, the full transcript, but I believe in his public remarks this session has basically expressed opposition to, to HB 2899. I mean, he has, he has at least said that the so-called Patty Amendment which was narrower than HB 2899 is the, right. farthest, the farthest the House would go in the regular session. Um, I highly doubt his position, uh, you know, has changed. That's true. But ha- remind me again, how many co-authors did the Simmons bill have? It was 80. 80, yeah. right? And well, that's right. Is, it, has, it has two more co-authors than the marijuana bill. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, I know. I know. Yeah, well, I was a skeptical I love this argument. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, you yeah. know, it does give Dan Patrick I'm just the, saying, the you political know. soundbite that it, this is the his, will of the House. Yeah, the will of the House, right? right. I mean, it does seem like... Well, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know what it's. Yeah, but the house always has want to build to the special <laughs> session. So the house always has this invisible <laughs> protection racket going on, right? right? You know, where if you ask house members, "Are you for Measure X?" they say, "Why? Yes, I'm for Measure X." And if it comes to the floor, I'll vote for it. And then they go quietly to the speaker's office and say, "Please don't bring Measure X to the floor." Right. Um, yeah. And bathrooms, 
at least early in the session, certainly seemed to be one of these. You know, as the session went on, there's some argument about that. But right. um, I, I think it's interesting. And I, I got to assume, at least, you know, until you get a new piece of information, that the speaker is sort of representing that, you know, that mm. yeah. he's, he's representing the people right. who elected him, which yeah. is the members of the House. Yeah. And interesting to see, you know, how far Abbott's willing to go on this issue. In these, some of these interviews and public remarks he's had since the regular session, he's kind of de-emphasized bathrooms as a special session item. I mean, obviously, it wasn't the top of the list. I don't know if they're necessarily enumerated, but he put it in the middle of the list he read off to reporters at his news conference, just referred to it as, quote unquote, privacy in the news release. And in a number of these media inter- uh, interviews, when the interviewer says, tell us what you put on the special the special session call, he does not talk about bathrooms basically doesn't volunteer it right um so i think he's kind of de-emphasized a little bit and that obviously could have interesting implications for how hard he's willing to fight for it in the special session yeah do you think that has anything to do with people like apple ceo tim cook giving him a call there was a letter from a bunch of ceos that that final weekend of the session that you know and and the personal phone call and a phone call from the book yeah Yeah. and and i think i think it may have more to do with avoiding the perception this is dan patrick's special session that this is you know kind of the priority so it kind of is Dan Patrick's special session, though, isn't it? I mean, he he forced the special session. It's his agenda list. Um, I mean, the governor's trying to you know subvert that some to some extent. Very but potent Dan Patrick flavor to the right, special right. session, absolutely. But let's let's be clear. I mean, this let's talk more about. I'm just about what actually has to happen this session. I mean, the, you know, obviously they got to start off with the sunset legislation, but then after that, how quickly you know it's called for 30 days, but uh, you know. Could Strauss? I mean, if Strauss doesn't, you know, really want to, you know, a, you know, if he's not really too hot on any of these issues, what can he do? Like he can, I mean, he can, he has some power here. It's not like he can. You've got the have, clock. You yeah, know, yeah. you can. I mean, you have to go through the same process. It's, you know, it's somewhat truncated, but it's the same process. A bill is introduced. Yeah. A bill gets referred to committee. The committee hears it. The committee votes it out or doesn't. Sends it to calendars. The calendars committee votes it out or doesn't. It goes to the floor of the house on the calendar in the regular order of business and. They vote it out or they don't. You know, you can run the clock. There's not a particular order. We have a question about what order do um, these bills come up. And other than the governor's demand that you get the sunset stuff done first, there's no order to this. And they don't have to entertain each other or, you know— House isn't going to do what the Senate wants necessarily, and the Senate's not going to right. do what the House yeah. wants necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I think because many of these issues uh, have shown to be unpopular, many are some of these issues have shown to be unpopular right. in the House. You know, Joe Strauss is going to have to make a calculation, and this is dependent on probably his level of communication with the governor. It may have to end up being a gut calculation on basically what the bare minimum could be that right. they could do without getting called without back. getting called back. Right. Does it seem yeah. realistic that you spend two weeks do? doing sunset and then see <laughs> but, you know the sunset the sunset trick here is whether you do a sunset safety net bill that basically changes the expiration date on these agencies or you come in and you say you let's do full sunset bills let's do the full sunset of the Texas Medical Board and take all the yeah. amendments and all the arguments that the doctors have and the you know various practices have. When I covered and that a- could drag stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I covered HHSC sunset bill. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, when I covered HHSC in 2015, I remember I think it was For Price bringing out the sunset bill for that agency, or maybe it was Charles Schwartner. I think maybe they were both involved, but <laughs> just dropping it on the gavel yeah. it was thousands of pages long. I mean, right. you could conceivably. Right. Spend some time on. If you want to yeah. burn the clock, there's a lot of a lot of things. There's 20 items. You can burn the clock for 20 items. Right. You know, 
Abbott said he could. He thought they could do one a day. I'd yeah, vote out one bill lo- a day. Love to see that. So we got just a little bit of time left. Uh, fill us in on the new yeah. Paxton judge and the yeah, the attorney general finally the bizarre has, irony yeah. of this thing <laughs> has a new judge in this case. It's a, a Harris County judge, a newly elected Democrat, and ironically enough, this is the judge, the Democratic uh, judge candidate who defeated uh, Ryan Patrick, the son of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, right. last year in that Democratic sweep. Uh, at the county level in, in Harris County. And so certainly kind of a, a twist of irony there. Um, you know, D- Ken Paxson's lawyer has been trying for months now to get rid of this, uh, the former judge uh, out of uh, Tarrant County, George Gallagher, who was actually a Republican, right. which is why sometimes <laughs> in this case, things aren't like as always what they seem. Some people think, you know, oh, well, he's got a Democratic judge. Now he's doomed. Well, you have to note that he had a, the guy he was trying to divorce himself from basically right. uh, was, a, was a Republican. So, I, you know, I think in, in situations like this, you got to wait and see kind of how the you know how the, the legal proceedings play out before jumping to conclusions about whether it's it's doom or gloom because of, you know the judge has one partisan affiliation or another. So what's the timing on that trial now? We don't know. There's still not as part of the judge shake up the old trial date, which was September 12th was was nixed was scrapped, um, and so right now there is not a trial date. I imagine once this case finally you know picks up some momentum in Harris County now that has a new judge, right. we'll get a new trial date. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, that's all the time we have. If you like listening to the TripCast every week, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those ratings help us reach more listeners like you. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. On behalf of Ian, Patrick, Edgar, and our producers Todd and Bobby, this is Ross. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking, baby. Texas talking. Talkin 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 <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to laugh.